What's up, everybody? We are hola, hola. we are Duck Sauce. <laughs> I'm a track. This is Arman. <laughs> I'm in Los Angeles. He is in Miami. How's Miami right now? How's the how's the sky? It's gorgeous. You want me to turn turn it? Let me do the turn. Show Let's up. Do the turn. You seeing anything? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We're seeing we're seeing the ocean. We're good. Right. Wonderful. Nice day. Nice. Beautiful day for a frisbee. Let's talk cooking. Let's talk cooking. We're going to put the sauce on it. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about how we survive by ourselves uh, with our cooking. Neither of us is necessarily a high specialty chef. We have a certain appreciation and we're, we're getting by all right. So we're sharing some, some pointers. I'm gonna tell you about a recipe. Actually, I'm gonna tell you what I made last night, my good friend. Uh, I made one. I made one of my more, a little bit more complex recipes last night. It's a sea bass. It's a pan-fried sea bass with a sort of herb and lemon sauce. Part of the secret is just little breadcrumbs. No. So uh, not a breadcrumb, but they're. Uh, I dipped the sea bass in a sort of flour mix right before I put it in the pan. So I gotta say the sea bass that I get at this one shop here close to my house, I, it's like, I can't mess it up. This recipe is very good, but I feel like most of the credit goes to the fish. So shout out to the fish. <laughs> this is good fish. Yeah, I, I heat up some olive oil and butter, both of them in a pan. And then I take my sea bass, pat it dry. I use tapioca flour because it's gluten-free. So tapioca flour, salt and pepper. There's a word for this, dredge it? I don't know, some term for dipping your fish in flour. Just a thin little layer so that when you cook it in the oil and butter, it becomes golden. It has this sort of like thin golden crust on the outside. Cook both sides over, um, uh, yeah, until it's golden. And then when it's cooked, you take the fish out, leave it on a plate for a sec, and you keep the oil and butter and all the like fishy stuff that came out while I was cooking, you keep that in the pan. And this is a term I learned in my cooking uh, experience. You deglaze. Uh, deglaze. So that's when you pour you pour wine. I don't know that actually. You pour white wine into the pan. Oh, that be called reduction? No. No, that's a little different. What deglazing does is the wine lifts up the little particles of sticky fish or meat, whatever you just cooked. It like literally like lifts it off the pan and it grabs the flavor from that, from whatever oh, was cool. just cooking before. So you run a little little bit of white wine. It lifts up the the oils and and like little leftovers of fish, and then the wine actually evaporates. You throw in more butter, chop up a couple of herbs. What I put is garlic, thyme, and parsley. Le you know, leave that in the pan for like 30 seconds, just a little bit, like just for the garlic to get golden. And then you throw in some chicken broth. So a little bit of chicken broth, some fresh lemon juice, even a little bit more butter. That's the other reason why this dish is good is there's a ton of butter. And that's it. Then you have this little herb, chicken broth, buttery, deglazed situation. And you just, you pour that over the fish. And then the last thing I just remembered, capers. Capers? Yeah, capers. So it's kind yeah, of a Mediterranean sea bass situation. I don't eat fish anymore, but damn, <laughs> that sounds good. Sea bass, I think it's a it's an oily fish. It's supposed to be very simple, like kind of yeah. like simple cooking and simple ingredients. The fish itself 
feels buttery and tastes buttery. It is, it is. And yes. So it has that flavor already. So you're right. You don't even have to do that much to it. It's just some sort of simple preparation and then you're, mm -hmm. you're good. Um, what about you? Tell me about your uh, kitchen. Uh, well, I, I don't have such a beautiful dish like yours. Basically, I have avocado toast every morning. Yeah. So it's just my go-to thing. I've had your avocado. You've toast. had okay, yeah, yeah. But I, I can I do it a variety of ways, and sometimes I like to, I like to flip up my avocado. Toast. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Really? I mean, there's not much in terms of taste that changes, but it can be texture and stuff. The crazy thing with me is like I have a serious avocado ripeness. It's like I, I'm like the kind of guy that like you know when I run the wash and I'm like okay if I'm gonna if I'm gonna get this wash right I hate to iron and I don't iron so I'm like if I'm gonna get my wash right there's a time you want to pull the clothes out like you can set the dryer but you know if you forget then your clothes come out like mad dry and wrinkled right wrinkled, like yeah. super dry shrunk and all wrinkled out like they look like they look like twisted up pieces of cloth and you're just like ah it's like you can barely even. Like I'll have to just wash it again in water and try and catch the timing again. I'm the same with avocados. Half the time I'm making avocado toasts, it's either like they're too young or they're too old. It's very rare I get that perfect, those perfect avocado days because I buy six, eight avocados at once because I don't want to be going to the store all the time for this Corona stuff. If you buy eight avocados at once, they all get ripe at once. <laughs> you know what I'm they all generally, like I'll do the pick at the store Everybody always grabs the good avocados. You know that the ones that are perfect for the day. Those are gone. You never get those. You always get the ones that are like, like they feel like a piece of marble. One day it's perfect avocado. You know yeah. what I mean? You have to have like some kind of an avocado schedule going. No, I, no matter what I do, if I buy eight avocados, one or two, I, I almost have to end up throwing it. Yeah. It's like I, I, I miss the timing line. So yeah. Anyway, so my avocados are basic. I don't do any enriched flour. So wonderful whole grain bread, completely natural, organic. That's the key to avocado toast. The bread is everything. Mm -hmm. If you can cut your own bread, like get that nice Italian pan or like, like a nice sourdough, San Francisco sourdough, and you get it not sliced, you kind of want the bread like an inch. You know what I mean? Like an inch thick. Mm -hmm. If you get the sliced, it's kind of under an inch. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Nobody does like the one inch slice you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut, cut your own bread toaster oven like i said i'm a toaster oven fanatic two slices in the toaster oven cut the avocado i either do it depends on my mood but i either do the slices or i'll just do the mash and i'll do the mash literally with like a fork i don't even have an avocado mash i just cut it with the knife for a bit smash it up in the bowl extra virgin olive oil when the toast comes out that goes on first like hefty amount just like mm -hmm. like nice good amount on the toast I put the, let's say I'm doing the smash avocado. So I put the smash avocado on, Himalayan pink rock salt, you know, that, that you know, the mm -hmm. rock salt. And then I'll either, depending on my zone, red pepper or black pepper, you know, both work. And then there's a little touch on avocado toast. I don't know why there's some places that do it, some people that don't, but it's kind of, it's a thing, but I don't want to, it, it, you don't want to taste it all the time, which is paprika. Yes. So they'll do a little touch of paprika on it at the end. And it, sometimes it's cool. Sometimes the if you got to be careful, it can overwhelm it. So, you know, that's it. That's my, that's basically my breakfast every morning. We're so good. The breakfast of champions, man. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've had your avocado toast, and I, I I do I respect your your big slices of bread. I think. Yeah. Now we move on to the horoscopes, and I'm going to read my one true partner's. <laughs> partner in music and in crime. His weekly horoscope this week, we're doing the flirt version. <laughs> Let's do it. Unless you hate cooking like you hate dental work, get in the kitchen and make something happen. 
Your good energy should help you win over your date, no matter what. I like that. So just saying, hey, get up off your ass and you know, go for it. Yeah. Okay. Dating is that in general, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You when you, it's not dating, things don't come on a silver platter, do they? Someone has to strike the match. Cool. Well, so um, I will now read Armand's. Uh, our, so I'm an Aries, Armand's an Aquarius. Here is the Aquarius flirt horoscope. You need to resolve a few dating contradictions before they get totally out of hand. But fortunately, you have the brain power to figure it all out quickly. In fact, you might end up winning. Is your relationship worth fighting for? Interesting. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. You're saying like you got a lot of things going on here. What are you really going for? Yeah, the right. dating world is a is quite a thing, isn't it? I mean, it's in twenty like twenty, it's it's uh, it is it's, uh, never. Yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> it's such a weird thing, dude. It's I funny. know. All right, let's get into this week's interview. I thought it would be uh, we both thought it would be cool to talk to David Guetta because we both have known him for a long time, and with our duck intuition. We knew that he would talk about certain things that maybe a lot of people don't know about David Guetta. I mean, Armand, what you met him around what year? Like 90, 90 something? I'm going to say 95 easily. Yeah. 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 Could even be 94, but I think 95. Yeah. Right. And the interview is, I think, even even better than what we hoped for. We, he talked about funk parties uh, before the birth of hip hop in, in Paris. How he the scratch funk. DJ. Scratching. Yep. All the way to when the French touch scene was kicking off, when Busy P used to be a, a young promoter working under him. All kinds of great stories. So without further ado, should we bring him in? <laughs> Yo, what's up, David? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm very... Uh intrigued and excited to be with you guys you're yeah. with the ducks it's an yeah. honor for sure it's an honor to have you yeah i'm yeah i'm happy to have you and i i like these conversations when uh like i like to witness armand catching up with our guests sometimes too you guys know each other longer than i've i've known you uh both probably so i'm yeah. excited to learn about some of the older stuff too are, are you saying that we're older than you this is a purpose. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. You both. You know what? You both look younger than me. <laughs> I both look great. <laughs> cool. So, how are you doing? You're in Ibiza right now. Yeah, I'm in Ibiza. Um, first, uh, first non-touring summer. Yeah. Non-working summer of my life. So you know, uh, it was a. Uh, it's it's. It's actually great. I'm enjoying it. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, yeah. You know, because like I took holidays with my kids. It's the first time they had their dad for holidays during the summer. That's then cool. I'm here. I'm, I just arrived in Ibiza now, and I'm, you know, I'm not stressing. I can enjoy my house. I don't need to take a plane every day. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's nice. I'm making music without uh, the stress of. Uh, having to deliver anything. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. It's, yeah. That's cool. Well, let's, um, I, th I feel like let's start by going, going to the old school and talk about, like one of the things that I thought would be cool to talk about is like, obviously people know you uh, for your, you know, 
enormous dance hits, but I know that you have a background in hip hop back in like the what, early 90s. Like, tell us about. Wait, I can tell you the record before David get, get says it. Because I, 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 somebody hit, hit me to it way, maybe 15 years ago. And I know it's David Guetta and Sydney, and it's called <laughs> Na- oh Nation God. Rap. Nation Rap. There go. Oh so let's get into it. <laughs> it's a straight up like rap bass. It takes two, but in French. And it's actually it's wonderful. It's a great. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting because okay, you, you need to know that the guy C name. He was the pioneer of of uh, hip hop. But I'm not talking in the 90s. I'm talking in, in uh, you know, Africa Bambata. And yeah. Of- mm. Early so, electro hip hop. Yeah. 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 So so I discovered uh, uh, scratching and hip hop with him. But I'm I'm talking Africa Bambata. Uh, he had a radio show, and uh, that's I went I went to see him at this radio show, and it's the first time I saw someone scratching, and nice. then I. You know, I came back home and I was never as good as you. <laughs> but I, when I was a teenager, I was like completely obsessed with, with that. So um, that's why I can really appreciate what you're doing because I, I know what it takes to get there. <laughs> uh, I was like, I, w- I would practice like probably like two hours a day, every day after school, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I come, I come from the, well, I started actually if, even before that, I started with funk and uh, I mean, it, it, I'm that old that, you know, I've witnessed the beginning of hip hop and, and the beginning of house. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and, and uh, yeah, so I, I started by playing uh, funk and disco. Um, and then uh, later- and, and I know that funk is, is, has always been huge in France. Like all my friends- Oh yeah, in France, absolutely huge. Yeah, right? Absolutely huge. And, and it's- La funk. <laughs> No, but really, uh, yeah. uh, and also what was very funny because um, I'm talking to you that that uh, your brother, the type of music they make, it yeah. almost feels like, you know, they were in in my neighborhood uh, when I was a teenager. You know, it, no, for it's- sure. But but by the way, you know, the way that Dave and Peter Chromio, the way that they got into a lot of the funk stuff. They discovered it through some of the hip hop records that sampled that you know that stuff in 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 the '90s. And you know, we grew up in Montreal, and um, we were getting a lot of French rap also. And we were obsessed with the video for "I Am Je Danse Le Mia." <laughs> okay, exactly. Which is a video by Michel Gondry. And and you remember in that song they talk about delegation, Shalamar, Midnight Star, like Akhenaton's naming all these groups. And we were kind of learning about those funk records, like Shalamar type of stuff, through hip hop. So so you know, like it's it's actually um very specific to to uh to France. We call it funk de cité. Which means like uh, uh, like uh, like hood funk. It's funny. I, I just realized that favela <laughs> funk is the ex- is is like funk in Brazilian. But that, this is how we call it because like uh, this music was was not was not like popular because there was like the French uh, variety, you know, that yeah. was big radio. But if you were, let's say, a little bit like cool and underground, but most of all, if you were 
growing up in a in an Arab neighborhood, which was my case, yeah. uh, uh, and, and like in in a hood kind of. Then this was the music that we were listening, and and, uh, and I was uh, I was playing this type of funk. But in America, if you say funk, they think Parliament and you know something that is a, a little more uh, p funk. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, so so. What we were calling funk is what you like talking about this this record is is Cameo all, or or this, uh, Los Angeles, uh, 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 Solar, uh, uh, Ohio, know, a, a lot of Ohio states, so Dayton, even, Cleveland, yeah, all that. yeah, a, a lot of American DJs call that kind of funk boogie. Exactly, they call it boogie. Exactly, yeah. and, and and it's funny you mentioned growing up in the Arab neighborhoods. I don't think you and I ever had a conversation about this, but my my mom is Jewish Moroccan. You're you're Moroccan yeah, too. My, 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 yeah, my yeah yeah exactly yeah. same uh, same origins. Yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so that's interesting. So in France, funk was huge. So w- were you like a teenager when you were uh, yeah, DJing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was. I I started to DJ when I was twelve. Let's say in my bedroom and. And um, and I started to DJ for my school when I was 14, and uh, and I had my first job um, in uh, by accident in a gay club, but mm-hmm. I so wanted to be a DJ, and it was <laughs> it, it was kind of interesting because my friends were like, "What you playing in a gay club? Are you crazy?" And you know I didn't care. I just wanted to play music, and and, uh, and I was playing funk and disco. Uh, because disco was so popular in, in, in gay clubs, and also uh, it's interesting because they were like at the time there was also a new wave that was so big, you know, uh, Depeche Mode and 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 or uh, you know, uh, uh, New Order, New Order, all those records, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't like this because I like black music, yeah. but where they were like forcing me to play this because at the time. It was okay. It was five days a week uh, playing eight to nine hours. It was not. It was not a <laughs> ninety-minute set. You know, it was, uh, it was a real, uh, real. Uh, it was DJing. Uh, yeah, it was DJing. Yeah, yeah. and um, and um, so I would I would have you know I would start with funk and get into disco and have this uh, this new wave moment. And it's it's interesting because I was seventeen, but in a way. This is what kind of shaped me because later I, I I kept this concept of like dark instrumentals and you know electronic, but but also using uh, soulful melodies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when it comes to vocals, you know, so well, playing uh, probably playing a lot of the B sides, right? The dubs to all those records. Yes, right? at the time, yeah, you know, but. Same, you know, that's why, you know, sometimes my friend, they tell me like, oh, but why, why don't you, you know, mix the way you used to mix with all the tricks and all of this. And I'm like, well, because like people don't get it, you know, <laughs> so it's just that. And also because what I was doing at the time, like using, you know, buying records, like this is having two records and making the break longer or stuff like this. Now we do it with a with a pioneer CDJ, like it's, it's just pushing one button and it's perfect, you know? So, <laughs> so I'm like, uh, okay. Like for me, I don't, I mean, I love, you know, I love that I see with the vinyls and I, and I love this culture. This is where I'm coming from. But 
but now I I don't really see the I don't I, to be honest and people are gonna hate me for saying this but I don't really get why people are still playing vinyls like I don't get it you know and and I you know because like I I did this I my my back was almost broken a million times because I was carrying all those. Uh, hey, I say, look at this way, I, I, I say the same exact thing. So don't feel bad in saying that. <laughs> oh, but, okay, I do, okay. but I do, but I do say this, that playing vinyls is now just a, it's a, it's niche, you know, it's a niche thing. Like some people, it's like, it's like the generation before us that kept eight tracks. Like when we were when we were playing vinyls, yeah, yeah, yeah. we were I like, did. "This guy still has an eight track." Oh, the, oh, the real to real. No, the oh, you eight track. No, no, but also like there was yeah, also yeah, yeah. I remember some guys playing real to real in the club. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wow. saw it. Yeah, yeah. Nice jelly, jelly, jelly being uh, so Arthur Baker used to bring in real to reels. Arthur Baker would bring in played at your own risk. Uh, Planet Patrol on real to reel. Jelly Bean would drop it right there, boom, right at the front house. That's how it was back then, though. Larry wow. Levan, too. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, well, but anyway, so it's... In the it's same the way, in the same way, like for me, I don't get it. If you can, yeah. if you don't need to carry some heavy records and you just have, to, you, you just need an SD card in your pocket. Yeah. yeah. And and you can do, except if you're A-track. You no, can but do, you know what? <laughs> I haven't played real vinyl in years. <laughs> I, when I play with Serato, that's one thing, but carrying records from my collection, it's been years. Sometimes people ask me and I say, no, I'm like, no. My half, most of my records are still in Canada. Some of them are in New York. Some of them are here in LA. I don't know where my shit is, but I, I think there's a time and place. I think for, you know, if someone's playing a party at the local club with friends and they want to play rare shit that's not even yeah. digitized and cool. But uh, what I really want to know, so now when we get into hip hop, so David, do you know how to break dance? I feel like you probably know how to break dance. <laughs> ah, no. no, I couldn't break dance. You could pop, though. But yeah, when I started to play, uh, it's funny. So I was playing in, uh, I was playing hip hop parties uh, in, uh, in some like, um, we call it MGC. So it's like in, in the neighborhoods that are difficult neighborhoods, hmm. you have uh, a, a place for young people to hang out, you know? Yeah, like a rec room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like a youth and club. Uh, you have sports or you have, uh, you know, basically it's a place to avoid people, uh, kids doing, being bad, you know? Yes. So I would DJ there, um, uh, some hip hop parties. I would, uh, I would DJ, uh, uh, yeah, in, in like some some real, real, you know, um, neighborhoods. Yeah, like it, it was really not like trendy hip hop with models, you know, like, right. a, yeah. like proper hip hop party. And it's just funny because I was, um, I was already white at the time, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, but most of all, I had long hair. And, mm -hmm. uh, so having long hair when you were playing hip hop was was really not possible. And uh, and in the in the in the hip hop magazines, they would kill me uh, yeah. for having long hair. And 
Yeah, it's it's funny. And uh, there's this guy, I don't, because you know I am, I don't know if you know sure. another band called NTM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those guys, you know, we're just from the same generation. So they're like a legend in hip hop uh, uh, yeah. in France. NTM, they're, they're tough guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I still see sometimes, you know, we we, we see each other, and they, he still call me David. Go to go see your hairstylist, Geta. <laughs> <laughs> this is how they were. This is how they were calling me in in the hip hop scene uh, and in the in the hip hop magazines at the time. Yeah, how did he say it in French? Uh, David Vachel Coiffeur Guetta. So were you the promoter, David, back then uh, at, at La Bain Douche? Is that right? I have yeah, that, that's that. later. That's later. Um, yeah, I know that's later. But uh, um, uh, so, is, that so when I, is that when I met you? Is that time frame? I, I did. Uh, well, I started a club called Queen. And yeah. Well, yeah, Queen. So, yeah, you, you did Queen first? Oh yeah, or, I opened or the your talk. night. You, and I started. I started a new concept in France. At Queen. Okay. That was to invite DJs, which was. Oh, so you brought me maybe first time to Queen. Yeah. In my life. In my yeah. life. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So I know you from back then. Right? Frankie Knuckles and uh, Danny Tenaglia and David Morales, okay. DJ Pierre. You know all all, all those guys, uh, and and for me it was a way. Also, like, you know, the club was full anyway. So the owner was like, but why? Why are we paying those guys? Like, I don't get it. We're full anyway. You know, and, and of course, I wanted to bring the culture, you know, to, to Paris. But I also wanted to learn from you guys. So, you know, I was also using the club to as an excuse to, to, for me to meet my idols and, uh, you know, uh, understand, you know, uh, and every time I remember asking, but what sin do you use? How do you make this bass? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's cool. Nice. So yeah, so you, so you probably brought me to Queen. You, how long did you do Queen for? So Queen, uh, I was there um, 90s, I think 96, 97, oh, oh no, 92. 92 to 96 or seven okay, then for sure then then that's when we that's when we met but then you had a you had something then the, then the a, palace then le bandouche yeah okay yeah le bandouche by the way a lot of memories in there of course with that punk and many people and, and in queen with that punk as well yeah um, where absolutely. we were all i feel like we were all sure. together correct oh Look at that! <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> there you go. That's that's my favorite Daft Punk record, by the way. Yeah. But yeah. um, so is that true? Like, so when do you when do you first remember hanging with me? Like, when's your what's your memory? I remember you said, like, I don't know. Like, I, I think I brought you to Le Palace also, maybe. I, yeah, I did do Palace. One. I think Vietnam, I only did it once. Le Palace. But, yeah. Uh, uh, Queen. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like. I was probably closer to the Frankie and David and David Marlowe. Sure, sure, and, sure. Uh, yeah, Masters yeah. at Work. Yeah. And, and, uh, With Glad Gladys Pizarro and stuff like that. Strictly Rhythm, right? Stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you were bringing it, in. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. and then um, it's funny because I was, at the time, it's really funny. I was, uh, I was booking them from Maria that became 
my my uh, agent. Oh wow! Yeah, it's really crazy. She's my agent, okay. and she was, she's she was doing Death Mix. Oh and, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I yeah, and you know, of course, I was like, I was being cheap, and uh, yeah. you know, and so so now when when I'm when I'm telling her like, oh, we need to ask for more money, she's always like telling me like, ah, oh, but you remember when you were a promoter? <laughs> it, 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 uh, how hard it was to pay, so you need to understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so, so, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, I, I, I went like, like I say, I went from, from funk and disco to hip hop to house. And, and then, uh, uh, later, uh, electro house and then EDM and then, you know, uh, crossover, pop uh, whatever you know right. so uh there's, there's something that's interesting for me about that the the sort of edm explosion in that moment you know about 10 years ago when you really broke in america where i have this perception tell me if i'm wrong but to me part of what helped edm become a thing or, or we could even just call it dance music when it reached the charts in america when you had the idea to put artists like Akon, Black Eyed Peas, you connected sort of, you know, commercial hip hop with dance music. I think that is exactly. what, that's the match that lit the explosion yeah. that made it totally. possible in America. Totally, totally. Because but that was kind of your idea, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Let me yeah. say this before you answer, though. Like, I tried my whole life to do what David Guetta did. <laughs> I told I, I told you this before that at your record you had a record release party at a Electric Lady in New York, and I told you I was like, when I get my chance, I'm going to tell David Guetta that your success with what you did in combining R&B and rap into house music was something I was trying to do all along. But it, and you told me simply this: you go, man, it's just timing. That's all you said. Hey, and it's I was timing. Like, it's true. That's what you said. You go like, hey, man, because you've been doing it as well, but you were just like. I just hit it right at the time when it was, it's the timing. And I was like, ah, oh, I was so angry. But go ahead. Answer, no, answer. no, I no. Wanna, but I, I want to say that. If you remember, I was telling you, but come on, come on. What are you doing? <laughs> look, at, look at what's happening. I, I had given up. You've been up. doing this for so many years. Like, I had given on. up. I tried so hard in the 90s to bring what I loved with hip hop and house to have that element still be in music. I didn't know even pop. I didn't care. It was just more like I love both elements always in the music. You did it, man. I mean, you were the first to, to make it really happen on the, on a mass level. And honestly, yeah, that, I think, it's, I think, I, every, um, everybody owes you for that, believe me. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Thank, you. Yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, it's like it, it was kind of a magic moment because, you know, it, it was really genuine. It was, it, I was, I was not trying to get on the radio. I was just like, I was just, you know, bringing together um i was heavily also in the like bleepy scene in 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 holland and and i was like okay i i love those drums i said this to sydney samson many times like when i was uh when i met um sexy bitch i was just uh, he, he did this this record riverside motherfucker if you remember right. yeah yeah, yeah. I, was just, <laughs> I was just trying to copy his drums you know and and because I'm not such a great producer, I, I I'm trying to copy P 
people, but it's never the same. <laughs> but then this is how you make something new. And, you know, I ended up, um, it's, it's funny because I, I made this beat and uh, I, I, I made the first beat on the plane and I was listening to Riverside and I don't know, it, it's just that clap that was coming a little earlier, you know, and, and, and uh, I was like, ah, oh, this is so cool. So I, I did this on, uh, and then um, uh, using toms and, and, and when I played the beat to Akon, it, it was just hearing the, the part that with the toms, it was like boom, ka, boom, ka, boom, ka, boom, ka, boom. And for him, it felt like hip hop because, you know, but divided by two. I write it right now, you know, and and that's how. And then later, I I added the bass with that tainted love kind of bass, and 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 right. it became a dance record. But yeah, yeah. So it's it's. I think it's it's cool to have so many like such a, and we we the three of us. I think we have like a big uh, musical. Uh, history and culture, you know, and mm. and that we bring this to our music, you know. Um, but I don't. What's funny is that I don't think people see me like this at all. Um, you might feel it, but I think most people don't, you know. Uh, yeah, they, a lot of people just know you as superstar DJ. Yeah, and also like pop kind of yeah, uh, pop, pop, yeah. pop dance music, you know. But yeah. they don't really they don't necessarily hear the references or, you know, like, yeah. yeah. You, well, you, you know, know, respect where respect is due and everybody, I don't care. I mean, obviously young people, they don't know, but when you make music for a living, one of the hardest things to make is a happy pop song. You can make emo dark underground records. You can make a thousand in a day, but making a great pop song is the most difficult thing in the world. It's, people need it, to understand it's the that. hardest thing to do. Very difficult. It's the most challenging. So if you're a producer that has success with your story growing up, you know, through your streets and all that stuff, paying dues, you know, and then you're able to be given pop success at some point. Yes. Yeah, know, of course. You, of course. Yeah, yes. And and thank you. <laughs> no, for sure. I think um, even just making make. I, I say this all the time, and it, sometimes it frustrates some of my my other producer friends. I always say making simple tracks is tougher than making complicated tracks, or making a simple track that's catchy. And actually, well, even between us, Armand taught me a lot about you know taking out a lot of things and only keeping the essentials. Like when we were starting Duck Sauce, I would always want to like adds these changes and complicated and Armand would just say no leave, leave it it's done it's good yeah he's the king of that <laughs> no. Wrong, wrong. no but the, no. no but it's true I mean no sampling no but it's true like you, you're like amazing with with samples you know like yeah. I, I'm not that good with with, with it's, it's crazy because you know it's the same. You can say, oh, yeah, sampling is easy but no it's not easy because oh, I know yeah I, you I know agree. like yeah. like it's the same, like I am more like, I do more, you know, like musical stuff, but it's not necessarily that I don't, I, I would love to be able to, to do this like eight bars or, or four bars loop that is so yeah. crazy. 
you can listen to it for, for eight minutes, you know. I, yeah, I, just, exactly. I just don't know how to do it, you know. Yeah, and I think it's everybody... Kind of year. It's, it's, it's wait, a different you know? year. It's like finding... It's, there's, it's funny because there's songs that are incredible songs that are, that are not going to be good as samples. Like finding a loop is a different thing. It's like finding a little moment that, like you said, you can re listen to for a very long time just as a loop and you don't get tired of it. Some of the best songs in the world don't make good samples. It's, it's a different thing. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. Armand has an incredible ear for that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> not about me. The, what, what, was, what was the French uh, first set? I, I wanna know, what, what did people in France think of Armand when he was first coming out there? Well, it was, um, it was basically, I think it, it was, you know, like how big we talked about how big the funky vibe was, you know, yeah. in France. So obviously everybody loved him from the beginning, you know, uh, and like I was a big fan. I was like too impressed. It was like a little bit too cool for me. You know, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, like, uh, um, then, you know, Daft Punk. Yeah. It was a moment that. Um, all that funky culture uh, crossed over uh, to a more general public, uh, yeah. uh, and and I think also because that film became so huge at that time, it was really yeah. it was insane, yeah. Yeah, uh, it was. like a religion, you know, in our country. Uh, that's I mean, a great. Book, but, that's a know, great way to explain it. The Daft Punk religion, that's a yeah. great, a great way. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly what happened. <laughs> it's crazy. You I, know? I, I became a follower. <laughs> yeah. No, but, I, but also, I became converted. <laughs> it, it also helped you, I think, because your sound was, yeah. it was easy to mix your records with what they were doing. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, at the time, anything that was related to that vibe was was killing it, you know, in our country. So, um, <clears throat> but also in the UK, I remember uh, feeling so proud uh, um, because, you know, since the beginning, we were like, the, the British people were looking down on us. And, and, and that is a great, a great thing to say, because that's absolutely true. Yeah. Absolutely. I was there. I remember that yeah. one came. Uh, and Cassius and, you know, then in all a second, you had some English people that were making records that was pretending to be French. Yeah. There was some fake, fake French. <laughs> fake French. And, and I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. I would never imagine that one day this could happen, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and it, was, it was a great moment. And also it's crazy because they, they, were, they were coming to, I, I, I was telling you, you know, I, I did the first party that was uh, inviting DJs uh, in Paris, uh, like, I mean, American DJs, like big, big house DJs. And um, so that's what we're always coming before they even made records. And, um, and then um, I was booking them. Well, I'm, I'm sure you guys know uh, uh, Pedro. Uh, of course. Uh, so Pedro was working for me as a, a 
promoter. Yeah. We should say, this is, you're talking about Busy P. Just yeah, yeah Busy P, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I, I was running a club called Le Palace. This is really crazy shit. So I was running a club called Le Palace and I was the main DJ and I was booking all the DJs. And I was like, okay, you know, something, something is happening. And uh, I, I can't have those people like, Daft Punk, they're not big enough to play in the main room, but I mean, I can't deny how talented they are. So I took Busy P as a promoter and he started uh, in, in this small part of the club that was only for a hundred people. He started a night called, uh, it was hype, but we, we would say, Hippie, you know, and uh, 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 <laughs> the night, and, and you would have like um, Dimitri from Paris and and Daft Punk and Cassius and and you know Gregory uh, and you know, but just sometimes everyone on the same night, you know. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and we would play in the main room, and all I wanted was to finish my set so I could be in the small room <laughs> and, and, and you know, but, but imagine how crazy it is that you, you would have enough, like a few years later, you could fill the stadium with that, but we, they wouldn't play in the main room. They would, I would give them the small room, you know, and I mean, of course the crowd was insanely cool. Um, and, mm -hmm. and, and then this is how uh, BZP started to work with Daft Punk Mm. And and later he told me like, look, they're asking me to be their manager. Like, I'm I'm sorry, but you know I, I can't be a promoter for you anymore. <laughs> uh, and I was like, no, I get it. But then then he was like, actually, and then he was like, okay, but I'm gonna hook you up with uh, uh, someone that 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 could replace me. And uh, it was DJ Falcon. Oh wow! What? Oh, no, oh, I'm serious. <laughs> And then, and then, and then, and then, so <laughs> Falcon was, was then replacing Pedro. Uh -huh. uh, like no one knows those stories, you know, because also it sounds a bit like bragging. So I don't say this to no, me. We, we, no, we love like the bragging. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, 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 so then Falcon replaced uh, 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 Pedro, uh, a BZP, and became a promoter. And he was telling me like, ah, oh, I really want to make music, all of this. I was like, okay, look, let me, let me hook you up. You know, you should buy a, this sampler, you should buy this, you should buy that. It was like, okay, look, don't pay me. Just put all the money on the side. And then at the end of the year, we buy, we buy it, you know? Mm. And I was like, okay, cool, you know? <laughs> so, so, but really, I, did, I swear this is a true story. And then... Because of course of that night, you know, Thomas was there and then they started the, the project. And I'm like, what, what the fuck? You know, yeah, those yeah. records are so amazing. Yeah. And, and I, I, could, I, I was shocked, you know, I was like, but are you kidding me? Like, like you, just, you just had a sampler like three months ago. Like, how is that yeah. even possible? And, <laughs> you know, and, and he was just making loops all day long. This, this was, that's everything that he was making. It was not like 
you know. You're talking about, Fal you're talking about Falcon right now, right? Yeah, yeah. Falcon, okay. he was like, yeah. and he was coming with those, at the time it was a mini disc. I don't know if you remember the mini yeah, disc. Yeah. yeah, of course. And he was coming with the mini disc and he was just playing me loops. Like, but like hundreds. And, and I think, <laughs> you, know, you know, Thomas just like picked the best ones and, yeah. and they made, they made really like those incredible records on Rule, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, together and yeah. and then oh yeah, and then oh yeah, because oh yeah, check this out. <laughs> and then um they playing and they playing um call on me. Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah. shit. I remember I, this story. I know this. Okay. Yeah, but go ahead. And, I know this. And story, at the yeah. time Stevie uh, Winwood. They they did they did um so they did together, they did uh, so much love to give. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, we did something new. And at the time he was only playing with Ableton Live. I have to say Falcon was probably the, the first, first person using Ableton. And, um, and he did live, he did call on me. And I'm like, but do you know how big this record is? He's like, I don't know. You know, we're talking with Thomas, but I don't think we want to release it. We just want to keep it as a tool to play. <laughs> so I'm calling, I'm calling Thomas. I'm like, you guys are insane. This <laughs> is your biggest record ever. This is a monster. Like, it, you are crazy. And, and I, ke I kept insisting. Like, every time I would see one or the other, I was like, you have to release this record. Yeah. And, and, and I was listening to it at home because I recorded it. Yeah. But, you know, uh, just like when it was performing live, you know, and he was like, please don't play it. I was like, I wanted to play it so bad. You know? <laughs> and, and, um, and then Eric Pritz did it. Yeah. And I remember one day I'm, um, I, <laughs> I'm on my scooter and I'm, uh, I'm in Paris and I see on a different scooter, I see Falcon and Thomas from Daft Punk. Yeah. And I'm like, Hey guys, you know, like by accident at the red light, mm -hmm. I'm like, are you aware that, that your record is number one in the UK right now? And Thomas like, what? Yeah, you remember I told you it was a hit. <laughs> and then, and so then, is it a coincidence you know, that, 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 uh, that Pritz took the same sample? I don't, I mean, I don't no, think- No, no, he- they, they give it to him. Well, no. No, the sto no, the story goes, he probably, what it is is, they were playing that in their sets. Uh, yeah, exactly. They were playing it. Like he said, they made it as a DJ tool. They were playing. He, Eric Pritz, I heard it too. I heard it back then before Eric Pritz made the song. When I first yeah. heard Eric Pritz's version, I kind of had a cloudy memory. I'm just like, I've heard this before. Right. Like, I didn't know where. And then somebody told me kind of what Geta gave me the better version. Yeah. It said something to that effect. And I was like, that's what it was. Cause I was like, I, right. I had heard this yeah. cause I love Stevie Winwood and I knew the loop. And so when yeah. Eric Prince came out, I'm like, somebody already did this right. But this is really not to this Eric Prince because he's oh, a, really a oh, genius. No, it's no diss, it's no diss. And, but and, he, and, and, and yeah. I mean, he's one of my favorite producers. Hey, but you know what? It could be, it, we can't say that he didn't know either. So, I mean, we, that he knew, we can't say that cause yeah. we don't know. So yeah, yeah we don't I, know. I, but, think, but, yeah. I yeah. think it could be yeah. coincidence. It could be, but I, I think the the um, the, the Falcon and, and Tama version eventually. I don't know if it was officially released, but I remember like later on on blogs, I, I remember getting it. Okay, well, 
people were sharing it on blogs years later. It was called like Daft Life version or something or nightclub version or one of those. No, not like okay. maybe Daft Life version. Um, I have like a really Daft bad Club. Daft Club version. Yeah. I have a really bad MP3, like low quality MP3 of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, but this, this is a story. And it's funny actually because Egg Pritz, I think the record is amazing that he did and is like such a genius producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he got kind of, I don't know, he, he didn't like the record anymore. And he was, it was really funny. Like, you know, because he's, he's such an underground head Yeah. And, yeah, and you know, he was like almost ashamed of the success of, of that, the record. That happens to people. We, we yeah, all, that we does all happen people to people. Who, man, who, I don't understand this. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Embrace it. This is such, yeah. such a blessing, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so that definitely happens. That's a thing. So yeah, and because I was always looking up to Eric Pritz, and uh, and he was like, you know, sometimes it would come to the studio, it's really crazy. I remember one day he came and I was like blocked on a, on a, on a, on a record. And he's just like, oh, what about this? And he played like, you know, bass pad and, and that was it. You know, the record was like perfect. You know, I was like, oh. you know, some people like this, they just yeah, make yeah. it feel like shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, 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 Then he, he went and I, I, honestly, he did he did good because what he's doing now is yeah. so incredible. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, it was a it was a fun time uh, in Paris uh, at that no, time, no, you know, no. uh, where everyone was so creative uh, and yeah, I, I'm sure you 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 probably played that night um, where you know there was like this combination of b boys. Uh, dancing and and uh djs playing house and it, at queen it was it was really crazy yeah queen well the thing, interesting thing about france in general like the whole country it seemed like even just the size so paris is you know back then it's the size of new york city we had 15,000 nightclubs. I felt like in Paris, there was just the queen yeah. like, <laughs> to go to go to to go yeah, to experience this type of music There was it's just a, and there was the Rex. Yeah. yeah, but what I'm saying is this in Paris, it for the for the population, the populace of yeah. people, yeah. for some reason, you know, zero point zero 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 go actually like to go to a nightclub. Like in New York, it's like twenty no, percent. No, the, the thing is <laughs> French people, um, yeah. at that time, things are yeah. different now, but at that time yeah. is like There was not many people that were cool, but the people that were cool were super, super mega cool. <laughs> so, so, you know, no, but it's true. So when I would go to the UK, you would have, you'd go to clubs that were huge and really talking to the masses and DJ would actually play some really cool music. And this was completely impossible in my country. But then you would have those little spots where you would hear the most insane experimental music. Right. So that's, that's what it is about France, is that the scene was actually really, really small, but it was very strong. Yeah. And then Quality. later with, with Daft Punk, with me, 
Yeah. It, it crossed over and then, you know, everyone started to be uh, into that. Yeah. yeah. I, I have one story. Um, I remember the first time that I spoke to you and it's a funny story. Busy P connected us on email. Okay. And you were working on, I got a feeling. <laughs> okay. By the way, I still have this email. I have an email from you and, it, and you're like introducing yourself. You're like, hi, I, my name is David Guetta. I'm a DJ from France. Because I remember reading this and being like, I know who David Guetta is. <laughs> it's like, thanks for connecting us. And you're like, um, I'm something like, hey, you know, keep this on the low, but I'm working with the Black Eyed Peas for their new album. And at the time, the Black Eyed Peas, they used to be more underground. They, they used to sound like the Roots before this, yeah. right? They were like, exactly. yeah. right? Yeah. And so well, you're telling me, yeah. And you, yeah. So you're telling me, I'm working with Black Eyed Peas on the new album. We have a big single that, that uh, we're preparing. Um, but I, you were saying something like, I want to get sort of cool underground remixes to make sure that the song blows up the right way because it's a pretty big departure for them. Here's a little snippet of the hook. Would you be down to remix this? And and you attached a thing that was like literally like maybe eight bars or something. It's just jam, 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 and the vocal and that guitar was some, you had a, you had a record. Yeah, it was the same guitar from Love Is Gone. From Love Is Gone, exactly. So I remember oh. hearing it and being like, wait, isn't this a song already? But then the singing comes in and I'm like, oh, okay, this is a different one. Um, and I didn't I, I didn't do the remix, but that was the first time that we spoke. And I think in those <laughs> years, I was still kind of like teaching myself how to produce and I would be like really late with all my remixes and I was kind of overwhelmed. And this thing felt like it was coming from another world. And I remember thinking about it and being like, I'm already late for two other things. Like I can't do it. And just saying like, hey, thank you. <laughs> Thank you, but I can't do your song. And then it became the biggest song in the world. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. I have a funny one, too. Uh, get the one, one time I was in Ibiza and you were walking by me. I was with one of my friends and um, we walked by each other outside of uh, Ibiza Grand Hotel. And you you had a, like, it was like, like I want to say Hummers. Or, you guys, you, it was like two Hummers and you came out or something. And I was like waiting for like a taxi to go to the beach or something. And then, um, you know, any visa, like, you know, like, like before Uber. Okay. And, um, you come out and you're like, yo, we're going, or you, you were leaving too. No, you were leaving too. And you go, I go, Hey, we talked for a second. And you go, Armand, I'm, I'm, we're going to shoot this video right now in Ibiza. Why don't you come? Like, I, I was like, well, I was going to go to the beach. You're like, we're going, we're shooting. I have Akon in the car and Akon was, I was sexy bitch. I didn't know. So I, uh, to this day, because you go like, oh, we're going to shoot this video. And I was with my friend and my, me, my, I was kind of showing him around because he had never been in Ibiza. So I was like going to show him a Satrincha and all the stuff. And then you were like, come to the video set, the sexy bitch. And I was like, I, I was like, that sounds like, because, you know, I was thinking like David Guetta, if I go, it's going to be a lot of girls, probably like a pool party. Dude, the video came out. I was like, dude, this is, oh my God. We, like, I, my, my, <laughs> Remember, my friend remembers. He's like, "Why did you take me to Stephenson?" And we should have went. <laughs> yeah. you, see, you see, you guys keep rejecting me. What can I say? <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember this? You probably don't. Yeah, well, I did. I didn't remember, but I know we shot the video. Uh, uh, it was in the It was that basically that you were going, you were leaving to go to the shoot. Yeah, it, like, it's funny because the way at that time, I mean, my my career was so on fire. 
it was absolutely insane. I was, I was really literally like, you know, walking on water. It was insane. And I didn't have one minute. So I, I told like, I told my, my ex-wife, I told her like, I'm sorry, I have absolutely zero time. I need to shoot a video. You need to organize it. And you know, <laughs> speak to the director, you just organize a house party and, and you know, that's it, you know, yeah. and, and, and I came and it was a complete surprise. I didn't know what to expect, you know, and then I, I came in and all my friends, it was, you're right. It was a lot of hot girls and all my friends were yeah. there yeah. Yeah. and yeah. all the dancers from Pacha and, yeah. and, and all of this was completely genuine. You know, yeah. Akon grabbed me, uh, threw me, threw me in the pool, and <laughs> just filmed the entire thing, and that became the video. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. And and I almost had Armin van Helden in my video. Almost, man. By the oh. way, I regret regret it to this day. I'll never forget it. Believe me, I regret it to this day. <laughs> uh. <laughs> cool. Another thing you should know too is Love Is Gone. Alain, I, I, I didn't even something just popped my head. Do you remember how much we listened to Love Is Gone for about three years? And I was oh really? Listening. For we three would, years. We would listen to it as like a like years. a mastering reference. Yeah. Like a what? Like a mastering reference. We, like oh when my we God. were when I'm we honored. were making. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I'm very honored that you would take oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it. So Barbara we were making Streisand. those that first run of Duck Sauce Records, the first couple of years, Barbara Streisand, Big Bad Wolf, all that song, all those songs. When we were finished with a song at Armand's old apartment in New York, we would go to his CDJs play uh, Love Is Gone on one, you know, on one CJ, put our track on the other side and just go back and forth and end. And then we'd go, okay, we don't have enough low, low end. Go back, yeah. fuck with yeah. the oh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. The reason for that, Armand always had a really cool uh, idea for that. Cause obviously like sample based tracks sound different. It's harder, of course. So, yes. So yeah. Yeah. our challenge when we were making all these duck sauce records and still now is it's almost, it's too easy to make something sound retro. Like it's easy to take a sample and make it sound the way it did in 1998 or something. We wanted our records to sound in a way that- We wanted it to sound like, like Love Is Gone. <laughs> yeah, we wanted it to sound as big and good as like Love Is Gone. We wanted the DJ to be able to play our tracks in the biggest stages while yeah, yeah, yeah. sounding cool. So I was trying to find that balance of like, you know, the warmth of the sample, but also it had to, it had to knock, it had to have the same frequencies. Wow. You, I'm, you I'm, I, I cannot believe what I'm hearing. I'm really yeah. tripping. Yeah. And it's really funny because I was also listening to your records and saying like, oh my God, how can they make it sound like this? We should mention us, uh, uh, Joaquim Giroux, of course. Uh, Joaquim, yeah, yeah, Joaquim, 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 yeah, yeah, Joaquim. yeah, yeah, yeah. Joaquim. Joaquim. We were working together at the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and uh, 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 Fred Rister that that unfortunately passed away. Uh, uh, but it was uh, actually that record was the first time I, I worked with uh, Fred, and uh, and uh, he 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 was actually uh, at, when I was shopping it for remixes. You know, he he made a. a a remix version, and I was like, "Oh my God, this is insane!" And it's just the intro with the pads, mm. and then it was dropping in a completely different way. And I was like, "Okay, uh, this 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 pad moment is so good that you know I wanna 
I want to make it the main version, but I want to make a different drop. And and, um, and it's funny, you see, like, I, I think, like, I love that we are all producers here and we can, we can say what, what we never say. Um, <laughs> because Fred was copying Eric Prince. Oh, call on me, You know, but I yeah. think people people should know that that that's what music is about. Yes. You know, it, but, it's about, even the bands, even the bands that we are. Of course, you listen to funk, and you're like, okay, this guy was listening to this record. You know, yeah. you yeah. you can hear it. You know, and and we all do this. We you listen to a record, and you're inspired by it. You, you and and then. You know, you you like okay. I kind of understand the recipe, and then you make it you, you make it yours because it's you and it's not him. And then it becomes something else. And then somebody else is listening to what you're making, and then it becomes something else. And I think this is the constant evolution of music because, you know, when it comes to chord progressions, I mean, everything has been done. So so you know, it, it's just like, you know, I. I like the way you're gonna arrange it, the way you're gonna make it sound, the type of combination between different cultures that you're gonna make that creates a new style. I think every time, you know, uh, I, I, I don't believe in, in, you know, being the absolute creator that, you know, uh, well, at least for myself, you know, that, that you go from blank, uh, mm -hmm. uh, from nothing and you just create a new musical movement from nothing. It, it, it usually takes roots in a culture of the music you were listening when you were a teenager or something like this. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. This, this is a cool. great way to wrap up the interview, I think. I, I, <laughs> yeah. always, you gave us way more time than we thought we were going to get with you anyways. This is awesome. Well, it was very cool to hang out with you guys and much yeah, respect to both of you. Yeah. Like, I, I, I I was always very inspired and, 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 you know, when it comes to production or when it comes to DJing, like I was, I was giving some comments. I, I, I discovered for the first time, um, uh, a tracks routine from 2002. And I was like, fuck, you know, um, because you know, I, I, I stopped by the time I already stopped, but in, uh, in 89, I was, uh, uh, redoing the dj cash money routine and yeah, you know cash money yeah yeah you remember right yeah oh yeah uh, 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 that i still love this set by the way and mm -hmm. and and you know the, it was, the, it first, was the first the, the first time you won at the in the dmc right sorry you're talking about, yeah, you're talking about in the, the dmc championship right yeah exactly yeah yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and then you know I was practicing every day to redo all his scratches and 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 you know all the tricks, and uh, and then I, I I saw like I saw that that routine from two thousand two uh, the other day, and I was like <laughs> I was no, but it's crazy because I I kind of you know then I moved to house, so I kind of stopped following all of this. Yeah, but I was like, wow, you know, it's it, it, it's really crazy already. If you look only from '89 to 2002, oh, yeah. the yeah. difference is insane. Yeah, yeah. insane, 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 insane. Yeah, you know. So uh, I I don't even know what's what's happening right now in that scene, but it must there's be still really cool. There's really cool innovation going on now. Now the last couple of years, there's people that are using some of the new technology in mixing that with the scratching yeah. trick. So it's yeah, still exactly. evolving. It's still growing. 
exactly. Well, yeah. guys, thank you so cool. much. Thank you, um, man. Much love, of course. It was really, it was really, really nice, and uh, uh, I hope uh, you you filming this, and I, I and I want it also for souvenir because that was yeah. Uh, yeah. that was a nice thing yeah. out. Yes, it was. Yeah, for sure. All right, thank you, guys. Uh, cool, man. All right, take care. Brother Manny, brother Manny, brother Manny, brother Manny.